Uh, the, my, my son actually said that you would like me to come to do two things today, a charge to the church and a charge to the new pastor. Now, if you're not familiar with that, uh, first I'm going to talk to y'all about what y'all ought to be doing, and then I'm going to talk to him about what he ought to be doing. So that's how that goes. Um, quite often in the charge to the church, I would speak to you about um, how you should follow and treat your new pastor, which that's going to be a little awkward, no? Thankfully, um, Dr. Crawford Loritz did a really good job on that a few months ago when uh, you did your passing the baton uh, service. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take a completely different approach. And that approach is going to start with a survey. Now, I know how you are with surveys. I've done lots of these in, my, in churches. And um, when I say to raise your hands, you, you, some of you, you know. Eh. So listen really close to the question so you get it right, whether you're supposed to raise your hand or not. And if you're supposed to, then raise your hand. Okay, you got that part? Okay. How many of you did not speak to anyone this week? Raise your hand. Well, good. I, I expected Cameron to raise his hand just to be a smart aleck, but he didn't. Um, go figure. Okay. So you, you got the first question. Here's the second question. How many of you plan not to speak to anybody this coming week? Raise your hand. Oh, he's got a serious issue. We're going to get him a counselor. I don't know who he is, but we're going to get him a counselor. Um, now, no one raise your hand for this next question. This is just for you to think about in, in your own soul. How many of you talked to someone this week about Jesus and had a gospel conversation? We call this gospel fluency. Have you, some of you heard that term? Gospel fluency? No? My son has. He, okay. Um, how many of you actually had a gospel conversation with someone this week? That's what I want to talk to you about. Surveys tell us if you go to Barna, if he, he, he surveys everything about Christians, and some things I wish he wouldn't survey, but um, he, he has all kinds of surveys, and he tells us that less than 5%, that's one out of 20 Christians, will verbally share the gospel in a week. That's evangelical, born-again, Bible-believing, been washed in the blood, going to heaven, evangelical Christians. One out of 20 will have a gospel conversation during a week. That's at the best. In my experience, I think it might even be just a little lower because sometimes when people answer those surveys, they get a little funny about what they think they did. So, how many of you, and you don't have to raise your hands on this, have a plan this week? You have a plan already in your mind because Sunday is what day of the week? The first day, right? First day of the week. So how many of you have a plan in your mind for this week how you're going to have a gospel conversation with someone this week? See, if you don't have a plan, you are planning to fail at that proposition. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. That's what Jesus said. You, you, you're all he's got. We are it. He does not have a plan B. You know that, right? We are it. He's depending on you 
to talk to someone about Jesus. And you ought to do that every week. I mean, just think about this. There's 52 weeks in a year. Why would you want to spend one of them and not have a single conversation with someone about their eternity? Why would you want to do that? But you got to plan this. you got to pray when your feet hit the ground every day. got to say, Lord Jesus, this, this is part of my plan. Give me someone to talk to today about you. And then I put these things in my pocket so I'm kind of armed and dangerous, you know. And, and I wear witness wear. You, you know what witness wear is? It's a shirt that says something about the gospel on it. it yesterday, I, I knew I'd be traveling this week, so I put a bunch of witness wear shirts in my bag, and I pulled one out. This is the one I like best. How many of y'all have seen The Chosen? You haven't seen the, Oh, you, you got to get on The Chosen. <clears throat> they have a shirt that says, Binge Jesus. And it's just all it says, Binge Jesus. People look at it and they, they, you know, they really wonder, what is that about? What is Binge Jesus? Well, the idea is you, you take their whole season one and you watch all eight sessions at one time. You binge it. And sure enough, I'm walking into the stadium for the game yesterday and the, the, the staff attendant there, you know, because I'm out fishing, you know. I didn't just wear the shirt because I like the shirt. It's bait. Yeah, you, you know, when you go fishing, you got to have bait. So I'm walking up the aisle, and all kinds of people are looking at my shirt. In fact, went out to breakfast and uh, no, went to get pastries at the Geddes Bakery and had one of my grandsons with me, and he had a Syracuse shirt on. She looked at my shirt, she looked at his, and she wanted to talk about Syracuse University. <laughs> she was intimidated by my shirt. Jesus says, whoa, whoa, Jesus. Hey, I don't know that. So this lady says, I like your shirt. Well, now, she, you know, we're all coming in and I can't talk to her, but she's on my list now. So when there's a little break in the game, it's kind of quiet down. People see, I go down and talk to this lady. Say, hey, you like my shirt? Do you know this guy? Because it says, been Jesus. She says, oh, yeah, I do. I say, you sure? She says, oh, I'm sure. I, and I just asked you, have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? So are you going to heaven? She says, I did. I said, when did that happen? Ten years ago, my brother told me about this, and I accepted Christ as my Savior. I said, where are you going to church? Oh, my church kind of died. I just happened to have a local pastor with me. <laughs> I can introduce you to the guy. Really? Yeah. And I had given her one of my testimonies, and so... You, you got to have a plan. I don't know what your plan is, but if you have no plan, you probably ain't going to talk to anybody this week. But you ought to talk to somebody. The lack of verbal witness in the American church today is an epidemic that Satan has been happy about. Listen to these crazy... You, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. You think I'm going to lie. You're going to go look it up on Barney yourself. Look at this. 19% of baby boomers, that's old people like me, 57 to 75, 19% of evangelical, born-again, Bible-believing Christians believe that it is wrong to share your faith with an unsafe person. Do you believe that? It's unbelievable to me. You, this is what his survey said. One out of five people my age, that are born again, think they shouldn't share. You, you think Satan's not getting a victory here? You gotta be kidding me. 
here, get the, wait to this one. Those 38 to 56, we call them Gen X, 27% of you think it's wrong to talk to someone else about how to become a Christian when they are not a Christian. That's, that's three out of 10 evangelical born-again Christians. Oh, it gets worse. The millennials, you, 47% of you think it's wrong to talk to someone about becoming a Christian. Now, here's the absolute shocker. You, you think that's bad? Wait till you hear this. Evangelical born-again churches, elders within their churches, 20% of them believe it's wrong to share your faith with an unsaved person. I understand you just got a new set of elders. You never had them before. Maybe you ought to survey them. You know who your elders are? They all ought to get asked this week if they, they are part of this 20%. It is astounding the number of Christians that think this. I remember when I came to Christ in the early 70s, and this church had a guy named Ernie Laycock who was a pastor. He was a crazy soul winner, this guy. I mean, he, he, was, he was on the top of the, the drive-in theater down there with a pulpit preaching the gospel in open air on Sunday morning to people pull up in their cars. So some of you remember, the Knickerbockers remember that. And he was just sharing the gospel everywhere. And that's what this church has been known of over the years. Jesus says, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. You are the most powerful people in the world. Did you know that? You are. The Holy Spirit of God who created the world, raised Jesus from the dead, and is coming back with... He lives in you. There's nothing that can stop you. Satan doesn't have a chance against spirit-filled believers. When I was a young believer also, I remember in that uh, fall of 74, I had been 73, I'd gotten out of the army, I was back here. Uh, this building didn't exist. We had a missions conference in the other building, and we were in the gym, and, and Wynn Rulke, uh, the founder of Children's Bible Fellowship, Dr. Wynn Rulke, what a tremendous soul winner this guy was. And I can remember him speaking in the men's breakfast on Saturday morning for our missions conference, just like it was yesterday. I can still see him up there. He had a newspaper in his hand. Y'all know what that is? <laughs> they used to print them on paper and they distribute them in the communities. Anyhow, he had up there an obituary and the whole page, you know, this big, that, and he was reading off names. I wonder if anybody else remembers this besides me. And he'd ask, did you know, that anybody know this guy, and this guy, and this guy? And, it, and then he stopped doing that, and he said, everybody on this page is either in heaven or hell right now. Every one of them. For all eternity. And I thought to myself, he's right. And, and we got to do something about it. And he made this statement, I'll never forget it, wrote it in my Bible, I got in my Bible these sentence sermons. If what you're doing doesn't count for Christ, it does not count. If what you're doing doesn't count for Christ, it does not count. 
How many of y'all remember him saying that statement? Probably. Anybody, anybody way back, old? No, don't remember him. I do. I remember him saying that. If what you're doing does not count for Christ, it does not count. Thanks, Warren. At least you remember. He and I were there with about 50 other men. So, what did you talk about this week? Because I'm pretty sure you all talked about something. Did you talk about hobbies or business or sports or work? Sure you did. Did you have opportunity to talk about Jesus to unsaved people? Of course you did. But did you do it? Did you take that opportunity? Remember when you fell in love? I see all these couples out here. Y'all remember falling in love, right? I remember falling in love. And uh, I met my wife when she was 14. I was 15. We were going to Roxborough Junior High School. Uh, in fact, a couple years ago, my grandson at a family dinner said, hey, Grandpa, wait, give me some advice. I'm going into high school. What should I do? I said, find a girl and marry her. <laughs> my son's screaming across the table, don't listen to your grandfather. <laughs> I said, hey, it worked for me. You know, when you're in love, you can't help but talk to the person, can you? I can remember being on phone calls for four or five hours. Yeah, they had phones, with the, they had the long cords on them, they were stuck in a wall. And I can remember falling asleep, talking to her, and wake up, hey, you're still there? And she was sleeping too. But you know, when you're in love, even puppy love, you can't help but talk to the person. And you can't help but talk about the person, right? You can't help but talk about them. And, and when you love somebody, you keep talking about them. Well, I have this passage of scripture. It's from Revelation chapter 2, begins with verse 2. I know, and this is uh, the angel talking to the church of Ephesus. It says, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you don't tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false and you have perseverance and you have endured for my namesake and you have not grown weary. I mean, it's good stuff. It's a good church. Then it gets this, but I have this against you. You've left your first love. Not lost, because you can't lose your love for Jesus when you come to know him. You still love him, but you've left it. Remember that first love? I can remember knowing Jesus those first few weeks. I, I just want to talk to everybody about him. You remember when you were first saved, you couldn't keep your mouth shut. That's part of the first love. He says, but I have this against you. You've left your first love. I am convinced that first love Christianity is directly connected to our vocal witness. When we are in love with Jesus, like we were those first few weeks, we, we can't help but talk to him and talk about him to everybody. He says, therefore remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. He says, or, or, or else I am coming to you and I'll remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The angel's basically saying, I'm going to decommission you as a church if you don't get back to your first love. I'm convinced that vocal witness is a part of our first love and we need to stay there. We need to live there. 
We need to get back to that. And the American church ought to take heed of this warning for sure. So, another thing I happen to know about you is that you have a regular problem with sin. Now you may ask, Pastor Denny, you don't even live here. How do you know that? Well, my son told me. No, 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 not actually. It was his wife. Actually, it was God himself told me. First John chapter 1, verses 7 through 10 tell me that you have a problem with sin every day. And if you don't admit you have a problem with sin, you call the Holy Spirit a liar because he convicts you of sin and you got to confess it so you can have that power working through you. So that's a key part. If you're going to talk about Jesus, make sure you have a clean heart and you're gospel empowered by the Holy Spirit. What did you do this week that will last into eternity? That's what I want to know. What did you do this week that will last into eternity. Now you gotta remember this also, only two things make it out of this world into the next world, only two things. The word of God and the souls of men. It's the only two things you know are gonna survive this world. It's gonna be all gone in a blaze of fire and God's going to destroy this world, world and the works therein. You, you know that house you have? Poof. The boat? Poof. You know that, that AR, IRA you have? Poof. Because the bank's going to poof. That it has it in it. And the only two things that are going to make it out of this world is the word of God that abides forever and souls of men. It's the only two things that make it. So whatever you do in word or deed, <clears throat> do all to the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So here's, I got two easy things for you to remember. Get clean in your spiritual life and get talking about Jesus. Make sure your life's clean every day and talk about Jesus. Do both urgently, do both fervently, do both faithfully. Brothers and sisters of Christ, I encourage you not to waste a single day of your life on lesser things. Because all the things in this world are lesser things. Jesus so valued the souls of men and women, boys and girls, that he died for them. A hideous death for the king of glory. So, get clean, Stay clean and get talking about Jesus. Also, when I was a young believer, I used to be with Campus Crusade for Christ, and we'd regularly hear this brother, Dr. J. Sidlow Baxter, a remarkable Australian preacher, and he, he said this, tell especially God's wondrous works in redemption. Tell how he converted and saved your soul. That which is vital should be vocal. Amen? Okay. So that's enough for you. That's the charge to you. The church of Jesus Christ at this place of what you ought to be doing. Now I get to uh, talk.
talk to your pastor. I'm going to ask him to come on up here. And I'm going to turn this pulpit a little, drive the, the light guys out of their minds. <laughs> I just love doing that. And uh, he's going to come up here, and, I, and I, this is the, enough of the charge to the church. Now we're going to talk about a charge to your pastor. Um, your pastor, Rob, I know him fairly well. <laughs> and wait till you hear the things I can tell you about him. Not actually. So, Rob, though you are free of all men, I encourage you to make yourself a slave to all. Why? So that you may win more, the Word of God says. To those who are religious, become religious, so that you may win the religious. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being under the law yourself, so that you may win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ. Why? So that you may win those who are without law. To the weak, you must become weak, so that you may win the weak. You must become all things to all men, so that you may by all means save some. Rob, do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that you may fully become a partaker of the gospel. Do you not know that all those who run, run in the race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Why? They do that that they might receive a perishable wreath, but you, an imperishable one, that will abide forever. Therefore, run in such a way as not without aim. Box in such a way as not beating the air. But discipline your body and mind and soul that you may make it your slave. So that after you have preached to others, you will not be disqualified. Pastor Rob, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God himself and of his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who, by the way, is to judge the living and the dead, including you, and by his glorious appearing and his kingdom that he will reign here for a thousand years. By all this, I charge you to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. That is when it's convenient and when it is not. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. For a time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Never be one of them kind of preachers. We see a bunch of them today on television, radio, and in print. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside the myths. But you, Pastor Rob, Be sober in all things. Be laser-focused on the gospel. Endure hardship for the gospel. Do the work of an evangelist for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fulfill your ministry for the gospel. Fight the good fight so you may finish the course God has for you. Keep the faith by giving it away. Always remember 
in the future there is laid up for you the crown of righteousness, which our Lord, your Lord, the righteous judge, will award to all his faithful servants on that day who have loved his appearing. Let all men regard you in this manner as a servant of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God himself, which means your primary responsibility in all of life is that Jesus finds you faithful as his steward, for he requires that you be found trustworthy and faithful to him at all times. For you are called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Integrity to Christ must be your passion. Obedience to Christ must be your absolute aim. Always obey him and leave all the consequences to Christ, caring not of any other thing. Reliance on Christ must be your power and your peace. You are to be holy like the Holy One who called you. When he said, be holy yourself also in all your behavior, for it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy, God says. For you are part of a holy priesthood, called and equipped by God himself to offer up spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, his son. So, in all of your life, you live your life for an audience of one. Give no care to what any man may think of you, that you may one day hear from your only master, well done, thou good and faithful slave. You were faithful in a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Amen and amen. And now, I ask your congregation to witness to these, this charge by adding their own amen in unison on my count of three. One, two, three. Amen. And let it be so.